0: Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host,
1: Jason A. Meiske. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Welcome to episode 200 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Man, we have a a great show for you today. Uh, We are going to be visiting with Toronto author, first-time author, Sean McCollum. Uh, he is here to discuss his first book the recalcitrant stuff of life I said it right that time Sean <laughs> uh, we are discussing uh, not only the book but we're talking about character growth uh, the world that has opened up to him by being a published author and that that compulsion to write so many other things that's coming up uh, in addition to a very descriptive reading one that uh, you are going to absolutely love I mean uh, let me tell you you can feel the sweat, and smell the smoke and stale beer, coming from this reading. And when you hear this, you're gonna understand what I'm talking about. So all of that is coming up here in just a few minutes. So stay tuned to that. Meanwhile, oh my gosh, episode 200, it is here. And I know, um, you know, here a couple months ago, I when I first talked about this, I talked about maybe trying to do something special. But a lot of you who've been following the show know a little bit of what i've been dealing with in the background i have a lot of personal things happening right now a lot of things uh keeping me very very busy and uh still making time for the show but i just didn't have the time to put in the extra effort it would take to do a special celebration today and so we're doing a uh you know almost like a just a regular episode uh, but still i just i did want to take a few moments here and go over some of the highlights um not like specific authors uh, because everybody's going to have their favorites, you know whether it's you know whether it's today, whether it's Sean or uh, you know or maybe Shanti a couple of weeks ago or a 14 year old author or you know maybe it's a celebrity author that we've had over the time. Everybody's going to have their own favorites and I, I you know, it's hard for me to pick a favorite because I've, I've valued every one of them and I've learned something from every one of them. But you know since I began this show in January of 2018, I have uh, I had done the math before and I think this is about right I've I've got about 185 authors in that time now I know some of you are like wait you have 200 episodes well I've had some authors on here multiple times uh, twice or maybe even three times Armand Rosamilia he's been a three-timer uh, my first year I had uh, two episodes I did like a mid-year wrap-up talking about how the uh, year had gone so far because I I didn't have the authors, you know, pounding down the door, blowing up my email, asking to come on the show. And then I did an end of the year wrap up that first year. So that was two episodes. Not to mention my very first episode was just me talking about what the show is going to be about. So I had that. Um, And then along the way, I've also had, um, I, I, I count my first episode, excuse me, episode 13, which is me reading from my first book I count that one because my daughters actually interviewed me and did a fantastic job and you know I was the author I was the uh, the guest for that week however I've also done that two more times with my other books over the years and I just talked about it myself I didn't have anybody interviewing me something I have (laughs) since then been uh, gone after people have uh, been uh, kinda beating me up a little bit for that for not having somebody interview me again so uh we'll see what happens in the future if i do uh you know read from from a future book maybe i will have somebody interview me uh, my wife has actually even offered to do that and uh, a couple of uh, former guests have also offered their uh, their services to uh, to interview me so that's that's cool it's a lot of fun but so outside of myself and standalone episodes um you know, episode 100 was a big celebration no no interviews that time and and we actually had a little crossover with other podcasts coming on and uh you know doing things uh so in that time yeah around 185 uh maybe one or two less than that or maybe a little more than that it's hard to say exactly i, I kept i was losing count i was trying to do this over a couple of days but i was always being <laughs> interrupted but still i mean in that time that's just that's that blows my mind to have So many of them, Uh, so many incredible authors on the show, and I, every one of you have been incredible. And to every one of my previous guests uh, leading up to episode 200, I just want to say thank you. You are incredible. You are talented, and for you to come on this little show and display the talent that you have has, has touched me, and it means the world to me. Thank you so much. So um, in that time, we've got uh, more than 25,000 downloads. Now, I know that doesn't uh, maybe to some people like, you know, Joe Rogan, who's getting, you know, maybe that much per episode or you know, a million per episode. Uh, but we're not doing that. Uh, but in that uh, in four years time, you know, we've had 25,000 well, more than 25,000 downloads. I'm very happy with that. Very, very happy with that. And uh, I have seen a lot of growth with the show in the last uh, two years. Uh, you know, I guess actually since we did uh, episode 100, I think that's when the show really started to catch, uh, get some legs under it and take off. Uh, we've got uh, more than 5,000 of those come from our YouTube channel. So that, And that's only been around for about a year and a half that we've been doing that. So that has really caught some legs as well. Uh, we have more than 1,200 followers across our social media platforms and we have been shown in our episodes have been downloaded in more than 40 countries worldwide (laughs) i i had no idea when you know going back to 2018 when i started this that it would have this kind of reach that so many people would be listening to the show but i'm i'm thrilled that it is and i oh my gosh it's my dream that somebody out there somewhere in the world is finding an author that they've never heard of and say you know and and in listening to the show they go wow that sounds like a cool book i want to check that out so they click the links and go from there and uh, that's what i really want that's what i was hoping for all along and uh, you know if you've done that if you've found a book because of the show please let me know reach out to the show follow you know follow us on social media uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's just the Sample Chapter Podcast. Very, very easy to find. So go in there and uh, let us know that you that you found the show. You found some books that you've uh, loved because of that. Uh, let me know what some of the books are that you've enjoyed, and if you can go back and uh, and share that episode. You know, they every episode is still available up on SampleChapterPodcast.com. dot com. So you can still go in there. I don't know about some of the podcast players, how many episodes they show. I know iTunes and some of the other ones, uh, the big ones, they still show every episode. You can go back and download all of them, but uh, I don't know what that threshold is on all of them. So, uh, but you can always go back to SampleChapterPodcast.com and find every episode, so you know, make sure you do that. had a lot of fun. Uh, I'm, I can't believe that I've written three books in that time and uh, that's that's a nice feeling uh, that in uh, <laughs> in these these years that uh, i've been able to do that many i had hoped that i would get a little faster with it and it's nice to have two books in less than a year so that's that's a nice record compared to my first one in eight years uh, so yeah my first one was in 2018 i'd been working on it for like seven eight years i wrote my next book uh, came out right at the tail end of 2020 and then of course bandit rising just came out in october so that's you know that's a 10 month span between one and the other and i'm hoping to continue that kind of streak i'd like to put my books out a little more regularly and uh equally i'm going to continue doing this show because well because i enjoy doing it and obviously there's people out there who are finding some enjoyment in it and i've got tons of authors reaching out to the show on on email and in uh Uh, social media wanting to come on so by all means i'm gonna keep this thing going and of course what keeps the lights on is you know some of my partners like scrivener they are my favorite writing software they've been with us for good grief uh two years two and a half years now and i absolutely adore them Uh, my representative there she is just fantastic she checked in on me after my surgery to see how how i was doing and just amazing people all of them over at Scrivener just incredible I highly recommend that you at least download the trial and check it out and when I did that I just I just tried it out I just dove in and used it kind of like what you would do with Word and over time I've learned things about it and I also later on downloaded the app on my iPhone so that way I could write anywhere and I have I've done that over the years and it's it's amazing. I absolutely adore Scrivener. So with that in mind, I invite you to check out this little uh, ad spot uh, and find out how you can save 20% on the regular desktop version. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software. Built by writers for writers. Like Scrivener, I also have another partner, an affiliate of the show, called Writer's Block Coffee. So they have three different blends for you to try out. There's the signature blend Writer's Block, uh, the Deadline Dark, which is sure to keep you up at all hours, night or day, So you can finish that first draft and the whiskey barrel age, which is my own personal favorite You can order one time or set up a monthly auto ship so that way you never run out Make sure you click that link in the show notes so that way you get right over to our page for it and uh, Use that coupon code sample chapter to save 10% on your order Hey, I also want to thank my friends over at pop goes the culture network Home to about half a dozen other shows, all of them pop culture related and all of them incredible. Uh, The flagship show of that network, Pop Goes to Culture podcast, hosted by Joey Mills and the whole gang over there. Fantastic show. Great uh, group of people who know what they're talking about when it comes to pop culture. And I was was, uh, honored to be a guest on the show recently, just this past week. Make sure you click the link in the show notes so you can get over and find that episode. And I, I also shared it on social media. But it was great. Uh, Joey interviewed me on the show to talk about, well, to talk about this show and to talk about my latest book, uh, Bandit Rising, since it is a real uh, pop culture type book. You know, it's a very 80s throwback kind of thing. And it was it was so much fun. It was such a great time. Uh, Joey had so many great questions and uh, really, you know, it was a lot of fun to dive into the book with him. Uh, so yeah like i said click that link in the show notes to get over to the network and you can see the link in there for the most recent episode and i'll be sharing that on my social media as well so so you can find it there as well but you know i have uh i've rambled on enough uh which means it is time for me to wrap this up and um yeah i don't really have a good transition for for this today, so we'll just cut things off here and get on over to our interview with today's guest, Sean McCollum. Hello, sample chapter listeners. Oh man, we are we are having a good time today, talking with our guest, Sean McCollum, uh, enthusiastic dad, replacement level husband, reluctant suburban suburbanite. Our guest, Sean McCollum, comes to us from out of Toronto, Canada, where he lives with his wife and two children, and we're going to be discussing his writing life and his debut
0: novel, The Recalcitrant Stuff of Life. Hey, welcome to the show, Sean. All right, Jason. Thanks very much for having me. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, you, uh, you nailed the pronunciation of that book, which is something that uh, <laughs> I've messed up myself <laughs> a few times. It's a mouthful, but nicely done. Uh
1: thank you thank you. It's it's probably the coffee warming up my tongue just enough where I can do it right. So <laughs> it's uh, but uh, you know you don't know how many times I was practicing it before this. So that's nice. what it was. Well, paid off. <laughs> it paid
0: off. That's right. <laughs> well, hey man, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, no. Thanks for having me. It's uh it's it's an honor to be on the the podcast number 200 here. So this is uh this is pretty impressive. So thanks very much for having me. Oh, uh, the honor. Uh, yeah, no. Honor is all mine, man. I'm really happy to have you here. Yeah, I know. it's uh, Things are going well. The uh, We released this book uh, coming up on two months ago now. Mm-hmm. It was released October 15th, and uh, the response has been really positive so far, and I think the sale's been decent. So yeah, things, uh, things are going well. So uh, it's been great so far.
1: Fantastic. Fantastic. So now uh, let's get a little bit of your background. Have you,
0: have you always been a writer? Have you always wanted to be a writer, or, or what do you do? Yeah, uh, I probably always wanted uh, to have been a writer, uh, but didn't really consider myself a writer until <laughs> until I started getting published. But uh, certainly, from you know, from the time I was about fifteen or sixteen years old, uh, writing short stories, and um, I've got a an interesting cast of characters as friends, and uh, so I was always sort of chronicling our exploits, and uh, you know, sending. <laughs> Sort of uh, emails to to the group of, of of some of the debaucherous things we we got up to and uh, you know so lots of short stories, um, lots of uh, you know blog entries. I had a blog for a little while just talking about some of the crazy things we used to do and um, and then uh, I took uh, or I studied English literature at university. Uh, shout out to Queens University in Kingston, Ontario. Um, so obviously got a pretty decent back background and uh, in the great works of fiction through that program. And then after I graduated, I, I studied at the, the Humber school for writers in Toronto, which is a creative writing post-grad program. So, um, worked with a lot of great people at, uh, at Humber there. Um, yeah, so just writing has always been a part of my life. It's something I feel like I, I absolutely need to do. Certainly don't feel like myself unless I'm writing. Um, so, um, but of course it, uh, it's tough to keep up with the writing if you've got uh, a wife and kids and a job and everything else, all of those other responsibilities. So mm-hmm. but it's certainly, certainly been a, a part of my life since uh, since my formative years. I, I can totally relate. I mean, everything you were talking about, I'm just
1: like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. It writing was always it, it always brought me back. I, I always came back to it. I'm like, oh, now I'm busy. Got to got to work. I got to do the you know sixty hour week and all this other stuff, but it was always there in the back of my mind. I'm always like thinking about, Oh man, I want to write this story one day and do this. And it was, it was just, it finally brought me back in one day. I was like, Hey, you know what? I do have time and I'm going to, I'm going to do this now. And it it is glad to see, you know, other people as well doing the same thing of of getting in there and making that time and
0: uh, coming up with a, with a story like what you have. And uh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's almost it's a lot like a compulsion for me. I mean, honestly, if I go for a couple of months without, um, you know, putting pen to paper, uh, I just I, I don't feel right I start having <laughs> recurring nightmares, you know, about the same thing. But I know there's, there's times I've tried to step away from it. And then it, again, it's just this compulsion. You, you feel like there's something in you that needs to come out. So it's it's more of a sickness than anything else, really. <laughs> yeah, that's, i think my wife would agree with you <laughs> yeah. so now do you do you like to write every day
1: or are you like okay with like ah, oh, you know i missed yesterday no big deal um or, yeah or is it a- I,
0: yeah i'd like to think i mean certainly make a conscious effort to try writing every day but of course life gets in the way uh, my kids sure. are still relatively young 10 and 8 so um don't certainly don't want to take any time away from from spending time with them but yeah when i'm when i'm writing which you know i'm not right now i'm sort of in you know, just had the book published and let's try to do some, some press for it mode, but hoping by, uh, you know, by, by the new year, we'll be back in, into writing mode. And yeah, I I had a, you know, a great writer friend of mine, you know, when I was struggling a little bit, he, he said to me, he gave me some great advice. He used to take the train into work every day. And he'd say, honestly, take 20 minutes in the, you know, on, on the train ride in to, to write. And then 20 minutes on the train ride back. He's like, that's your starting point. And if you can just find 20 minutes every day, um, you're going to be on the right track because that'll really get the creative juices flowing and, uh, you know, you'll sort of, you'll, you'll be on your way. So I think it's, it's vitally important to, to try to grind it out there. Even, even if you feel like that inspiration, isn't there, sit down, um, you know, confront that blank page, go to work and, and put in the time. So yeah, that's, that's the goal is, is to sit down every day and, and put in at least 20 minutes and, and take it from there.
1: I, I love that. I love that. That That's such great advice. And and it's definitely true in my own life. If once I made that commitment, then uh, the things I used to do in the morning, whether it was gaming or watching the DVR, that became my writing time. And even if it was just half an hour or less, it was just, and it's, it's amazing how much I can get done now. Uh, just taking that little bit of time. And it's, that's my special time now. It's like the coffee's ready. Nobody else is up. I've got this little bit of time. I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna sit down and write. And, uh, oh, man, I, it, it seems like that's my way of starting my day, more times than not of being able to do that. And then I can, then I can go on with the rest of the day. And I feel
0: like, okay, I've done something today. Yeah, exactly. And then the other thing is, I mean, if you're writing, again, if it's only 20 minutes a day. You know you're thinking about it all the time, and and so oh, you know gosh, in the middle gosh. of the day it's you know you've got things going on in your head, and I know my wife will sometimes be talking to me, and and you know I'm looking at her and I'm nodding and I'm smiling and I'm doing all the right things, but you know <laughs> there's something I'm thinking about what's uh, the plot or what this character is going to say to that other character, which you know it's because that it's 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 working itself out in your mind. So yeah, it all starts with you know, putting in that work and and just and just sitting down and writing. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> so so tell me here. Uh, something I've already had the experience with, but uh, we were discussing a little bit before we, before we got started. The uh, the world that has opened up to you of being a published author. What has that been like after uh, the release of uh, your first book?
0: Yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been interesting. It, um, I all again like you, always writing, but never I, I never really talked about myself as a writer. Certainly never spoke about everything or spoke about anything I was writing about. I always sort of felt like um, there's two ways, there's sort of two kinds of, of you know writers in the world. They're the ones who talk about it and then the ones who do it. So I was always just like put my head down, write. And uh, if I'm fortunate enough to ever have something published, then I'll be willing to talk about it. Otherwise it's like, you know, the pitcher with the no hitter going, just don't talk to him, don't want to jinx anything. So um, I, uh, yeah, I, I just, most people, I mean, of course my, my closest, family knew that i was you know was trying to be a writer um but not that i was actively engaged in the process so it wasn't until you know we had sort of put pen to paper on the uh the deal without cast press and we you know had had figured out we were going to get this thing published and we had a release date that was sort of when i first started talking about it and uh so many people were shocked that like, you know, when did you have time to write a book? Uh, you know, little did they know I'd been sort of plugging away at it for 10 years. You know, it doesn't certainly doesn't happen overnight. The foot the what I got most most commonly from people was I can't believe you wrote a book during the pandemic. It was like, no, no, no. I believe me, didn't happen in that in that year. Um, so the, really the way it's, it's changed for me is just in being able to talk about myself, I guess, as a writer, mm. um, like the first step in the, in the, in the 12 step process, right. Admitting it. So, uh, you know, I sort of was okay. I'd, I'd come to the, to terms with, it was okay to talk about being a writer, um, uh, which I think was a big step for me. So, I mean, that was probably the first thing, but how, you know, how has my life certainly hasn't changed. Maybe people look at you a little differently, uh, now than, than they previously had, Um, but it's just been, it's been really amazing to get the feedback from, from people. I, I, I truly respect, um, getting the feedback on, on the book. Um, I've heard some from some, some people, like I said, that I, that I really respect who really enjoyed it. Some people who, who found some sort of profound, um, sort of things in, in the work, which was really cool to hear. I've had, um. Uh, you know, some, some mental health professionals reach out to say that, you know, some of these characters really resonated with them because they work in this field and, you know, there's a lot that they could, they could see as being true in the book. So it's, it's been really, um, it's been really gratifying and and humbling to hear that feedback. So it's, it's just, it's great having people read it and and having it hit, uh, hit the mark on, on what I had hoped to, uh, for the, for the work to achieve.
1: It's fantastic. It's fantastic. So, do you do any of your writing around family? Like, do they come in to your office
0: and see you, or like? Uh... <laughs> uh, I mean, they're not supposed to, but you know, with young kids, sometimes it's hard to keep them out. I I usually when I'm writing, it's after you know after the kids have gone to bed, so I need it to be a a pretty solitary exercise. You know, I'll mm-hmm. jot down notes, mm-hmm. uh, of course, when there's people around. Um, but if I'm really, um, engaged in, in the practice and in really getting into what I need to be alone and needed to be as quiet as possible. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: and, and I guess what I, what I was wondering, there was you you mentioned a while ago about uh, the voices in your head and, uh, you know, we hear these characters, their voices and their personalities. And, uh, it, it makes me wonder sometimes, um, like with my wife, it took her a little while to get used to it. Cause sometimes she is up with me in the morning and she'll be sitting there having her coffee, quietly reading while I'm uh, writing. And I'll be chuckling along with something a character said in my head as I'm writing. Yeah. And she's just kind of like, will look at me. And she goes, character? I'm like, character. I'm saying, well, we just, I move on. So do you have any experiences like that?
0: Uh, no, I, I mean, yes. Thinking about things and chuckling and yeah, I think my, you know, my wife will have thought that I've lost my mind, but, uh, yeah, not when I'm, when I'm, when I'm sort of engaged in, in the writing, I definitely need to be alone. You know, um, I, I admire, um, the fact that, that you can write with, uh, with your wife or with anyone in the room. That's, that's a great sound. I think it was Steinbeck, John Steinbeck talking about the the sign of true love is, you know, you can sit down and write with, with your partner in the room and be completely at ease with it. So I think that's a good sign that, uh, <laughs> that you can get that done. I'm not quite there yet. I need, to, I need to be completely solitaire. I think when I'm, when I'm, when I'm writing. I, I think it, it comes over time. I know uh, when, when I was working
1: on my first book, it wasn't, we weren't quite there yet. So she was just like, well, what are you doing? Why are you working on this? Right. Now that I've had a couple of books and she's, she understands my, mental process and or mental breakdowns however it is at this point and uh, uh we we have an understanding so <laughs> so uh
0: the recalcitrant tr- stuff of life blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's it it's fine like, there it is i got it yeah <laughs> i get to choose the title right you think i would i would pick something a little uh a little easier <laughs> to pronounce, but. Now my understanding
1: is this is inspired in some way by uh, the movie Bright Lights Big City. Tell us about well, this.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't say inspired by it that's it's I mean uh, Jay, I I'm a huge fan of Jay McInerney. It just it's really his his writing style ah. that I love that sort of propulsive cadence um if you've if you've read any of his work I mean it just it really is like free flowing um, either consciousness or conversation. So I'm just a huge fan of his writing style. So um, I wouldn't say that the the story, the novel itself is inspired by, by Bright Lights, Big City. But that book had a, a pretty profound impact on me. I, me. I remember an uncle of mine who's an English teacher, retired English teacher now. But he handed me that book when I was, um, I think, in, in my first year of university. And just, you know, he said, hey, you need to read this. And uh, I hadn't seen the movie at the time. It was all brand new to me. And I remember reading that, you know, you, you open it up, the first page, it's written in the second person. And I was just like, well, <laughs> I didn't know you were allowed to, I didn't know you were allowed to write like this. Like, it was amazing. It really blew my mind. So I'm um, a big fan of, of Jay Ernie. So certainly the writing style is, uh, I borrowed, not, not that the recalcitrant stuff of life is written in the second person, but um, just that, that, that sort of propulsive cadence um, of his writing style. I'd, I'd like to think I've, I've tried to borrow a little bit of that. Nice. Nice. And it's, uh, you kind of,
1: um, I am I'm, I'm just trying to guess here a little bit here. It sounds like you, uh, you, when you were talking before about writing adventures of your friends or anything, did some of that come into play
0: with this? A little bit. Yeah. So the, like the inspiration for this, uh, novel at all, I mean, it almost all takes place in Peru, um and really just a, you know a, a, some I guess background on the plot. It's about, you know, the main characters, his name is Rosie. He has experienced a little bit of trauma uh, in his life and he wants to just escape from everything, escape from reality. So he heads to Peru on his own. Um, there is a, a town in the jungle, uh, a city uh, called Iquitos, And it is famous for being the largest city in the world that cannot be accessed by road. So Mm. it's sort of deep, deep in the heart of the Amazon. You either need to take, uh, you either need to fly in or you need to take a a three day trip down the Amazon river to get to this city. Um, So he hides out in this city just to to try to escape from reality and and from everything that he's sort of trying to all those demons in his head, he's trying to escape. Um, And then he's got two friends, From home, who, you know, there's something has come up and they need to track him down and and bring him back home. So um, you've sort of got the dual narrative of um this one main character hiding out, uh, and then his his two buddies trying to track him down and bring him home. So you've got that, that sort of buddy cop uh thing going on where they're trying to trying to get to him. So um you got the two things going on. So a lot of a lot of that, you know, a lot of the buddy, buddy stuff with the two guys is taken from, from, <laughs> from guys oh I man. know and from, from stupid things we've done. Uh, and, and then, you know, I've spent a, um, a lot of time down in Peru. Uh, my wife is actually from Peru. So a lot of, a lot of that writing comes from experience and, and really um, firsthand what I've seen down there. So that's sort of what, what went into, into the recalcitrant stuff of life. Oh, man, fantastic
1: that that sounds amazing and it's been uh, people are uh, uh relating to it as uh, ambitious gritty and raucously entertaining uh which <laughs> yeah. is some high praise that sounds amazing i would love to have a book you know <laughs> being described as such
0: <laughs> yeah yeah there are um there are some there's certainly some raucous moments yeah it's uh uh you get two guys uh, south of the equator traveling around they're going to get into some trouble so there's uh there's a whole bunch of that but yeah it's uh (laughs) but it does it certainly does touch on some some deeper things it's not all it's not all laughs but uh yeah there's there's some some things about you know the meaning of life and the origins of the universe and what does it all mean there's there's a whole bunch of that in there tied in with the with, with the fun stuff
1: yeah but you know and I think that's what makes the story good is you've got the growth. You've got them doing a little bit of introspective looking um and what a better time to do that than on a a big adventure like this. I mean going from Toronto to uh, uh Peru uh and looking for someone who is going through their own issue in life right then and uh you know that it just seems like that's the perfect time to have something like this where you can look within and discover things about yourself while uh, while finding your friend.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think I mean that's uh, we as as people we grow when we're faced with adversity, right? Um that's mm-hmm. that's when you learn the most about yourself and um and certainly the the characters in this novel face a lot of adversity, so that's um, they may not they may not even realize when it's happening that they're growing, <laughs> but uh I think there's certainly a lot of spiritual Uh, and personal introspection going on as, as, as they face some of the, uh, the obstacles uh, along the way here. So um, that's, that's certainly at, at work here. Fantastic. So now where did, uh, where did
1: you uh, develop the idea for this and like, how did the characters kind of come to you?
0: Yeah. uh, So I had, man, years ago, two in 2006, I, you know, was working a decent job back home, I was in my late 20s. And I just decided I was going to quit my job and backpack around South America for five months. So you know, <laughs> one of those life decisions. So part of that, part of that backpacking, you know, quote, unquote, finding myself involves spending a lot of time in Peru. And I, I did take this, this sort of three day slow boat down the river to Iquitos and just some of the the wild stuff that I saw on that boat ride I mean it's pretty pretty amazing when you um when you just sort of immerse yourself in in that world with with the locals so that was really cool I was uh, enamored with this this place Iquitos because it's just the wildest town you can ever imagine it is just I mean Peru itself is is it's quite different from Canada and the U S mm. uh, but, it, but is more so than, than anything else. Cause it's just this wild frontier city where chaos reigns supreme. You're just, it's, it is the wild West, but in the Amazon. And um, so I was just like really taken with that place. And I remember thinking it'd be, this would be really cool to, um, to, to have a book set here. Um, so that was sort of the impetus for the, the idea And then two years later, and and I should note, and I've, I've mentioned this before in other conversations. The first time I went to Peru, I did not enjoy myself there. It was like, I, (laughs) I got ripped off. I got counterfeit money. Um, I got the worst case of food poisoning you could ever imagine. Um, it was just, I, like when I left Peru, my thinking was, yeah, I'm, I'm never I'm never going back. Like, that's it for me. (laughs) You know, like that David Foster Wallace thing, like a supposedly fun thing I'll never do again. That was me going to Peru. Um, But then two years later, um, I came across uh, an article in National Geographic of all places. And it was about this shaman uh, in the Amazon and the work he was doing with ayahuasca. And, um, I read it and it sounded terrifying and it sounded insane. And I was like, yeah, I think I need to do that. So (laughs) lo and behold, there I was on a plane back to Peru. And, uh, you know, if you fly into or out of Peru, you're flying into and out of Lima. So, uh, I was in Lima for a couple of nights before heading into the jungle. And I checked into this hostel and it was Halloween. And I met this uh, beautiful young lady and we hit it off. And then I went into the jungle for two weeks and spent uh, spent uh, the better part of two weeks with a shaman, um, you know, participating in multiple ayahuasca rituals and ayahuasca ceremonies where you just have your your whole world and your whole consciousness sort of blown to a, a million different pieces uh, so that was pretty, pretty <laughs> profound as an experience. Uh, and then I came back to Lima for one more night, uh, reconnected uh, with this young lady. And we had a sort of a, an amazing night together. And I got back on the plane the next day and I just somehow knew that I was going to marry this girl. And that was, uh, that was it. So um, based upon that um, and that whole ayahuasca experience, um, I began formulating what would become the plot um, of the recalcitrant stuff of life. So it was like the first part of it was going to Peru and experiencing it, and just having having this um, setting where everything could go wrong, uh, mm. and then you know, um, and then having all of these crazy, profound life altering experiences while I was down there. I thought, um, yeah, this um, this I think we've got something here. So I I, I got to work on, on writing this novel. That, that's quite yeah, a story. Cool. I, like to say, I like to say I went. Uh, I went to Peru to uh, to gather material for a book, and I came home with a wife. So yeah, you know. <laughs> I, I will say I've I've told this story before, but um, you know I'm I'm sure most of your listeners haven't heard it. I uh, when I was there seeing the shaman, I, I mean I was just there to. Uh, because I wanted to to write about it, I was not really there for any <laughs> spiritual reasons or trying to overcome any trauma or anything like that. I just thought it'd be something really cool to write about. But the shaman pulled me aside the one day and he said, "Hey, you have no idea why you're here, but I know, um, and it'll it'll all make sense to you in one year's time." Uh, I sort of thought that was a bit of a interesting comment for him to make. Thought it was a bit of a throwaway, but uh, lo and behold. I want to say it was one year to the day after he said that uh was when I married you know my wow. my Peruvian wife so I don't <laughs> know what he knew that I didn't know but um you know I guess the the world works in mysterious ways Oh my gosh that's fantastic <laughs> So there's a bit of a uh, there's a bit of that in uh in the book here
1: Oh great I love that I love I love it whenever you can bring some of uh some of your life experiences, some real things into a story. And it's a little nod between you and, and, uh, the people who know, and they're like, yep, yeah,
0: little wink. Yeah, yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I, I feel like I need to write about things that I, I have some idea of what I'm talking about. I, you know, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I'm a fiction writer, but I need to, it needs to be based in reality for me or else I'll feel like I'm, uh, you know, I'm lying a little too much.
1: See, and I think, for me, that's when I finally hit upon, I, I think, personally, I think that's what they mean when they say, write what you know. I used to like, like what? I don't know. Okay, let's see. I work. I've had this job. I've had this job. I've had this job. But what do I really know? I'm like, Well, I know fishing, but nobody wants to read that right now. <laughs> hey, <laughs> it, man,
0: yeah. The old man in the sea.
1: There's, there's well, there, out, there you go. <laughs> but I, I, I think it was once I, I got to working on um, my first book, and I'd, I'd been struggling with it for a while. And then I decided like, you know what, I'm going to start over for NaNoWriMo and I'm just going to like, let the brain go and just see where this, see where it goes. And uh, I was just letting all kinds of like real stuff kind of bounce around here and there with the story. And then same thing with my second book. And I was like, you know what? I realize it now. I get it. I'm letting some real life experiences like kind of come in and feed this. And uh, I feel like that's what it is. That's writing what you know. And it's helpful as a writer
0: yeah absolutely yeah just uh from the heart right
1: yeah yeah so it's it's uh definitely needs the edits to go back through and go oh that's a little too on the nose i don't want people asking about this or that
0: (laughs) yeah it's it's all well and good when yeah you know when it's just on your uh on your laptop but if it's going to get out into the world you want to make sure you're not uh (laughs) You, know, you don't want to, <laughs> you don't want to out too many people or, or offend too many folks. There you go. There you go. Oh my gosh. So what, uh, what's next for you? Uh, well, I think, you know, for the next month or so, certainly till the, the beginning of the new year, we're just going to work on promoting um, this, this novel. We want certainly want it to get into um, as many hands as possible, but um, as far as writing goes, there's a couple of different things I've got a manuscript I wrote in my twenties that I think is, is good, but I haven't looked at it in 10 years. So I gonna mm. go back and probably be mortified at what's on the page, but I'm <laughs> going to take a look at that um, to see if there's some work that can be done on that to get that out. Cause that, when I wrote that one in, in my late twenties, I got, I got a you know, really good response. It landed me an agent. So there, I mean, there's certainly something there. I don't know how well it's aged, so I'll take a, take a peek at that, um, but I, I, I do have sort of the beginnings of a non-fiction work that I'm, I'm, I'm going to um, probably put most of my energy into for the next couple of years, and it's just centered around, um, you know, I, my, <laughs> my wife and I, uh, we've had some interesting experiences with our kids, lots of fun, uh, so sort of like dysfunctional parenting uh, 101, uh that uh you know i think could make for some interesting anecdotal uh stories so you know i'll take a look at that i have no idea whether that's something anyone will want to read but i feel like that's what i want to write so we'll see if it's got any legs outstanding all right well where
1: can people uh, find and follow you so that they can uh, hear whenever the uh, the next book is ready
0: yeah. Um, so on Twitter, uh, my Twitter name, Twitter handle is Sean S E A N four two, and then my last name McCallum M C C A L L U M. And then I've got uh, just you know my 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 author website, which is SeanMcCallum.com, So you can you can check me out there. You can check out Outcast Press. They're a great little indie press. Uh, based out of the u.s uh, specializing in transgressive fiction they've been phenomenal to work with so you can check them out they've got some really interesting things coming uh, uh, in the spring so um, yeah either check out me or check out outcast press great group down there outstanding yeah and uh, well of course
1: everybody you know i'm going to have links for that in the show notes so that After you get done hearing about this, you can click those links and head over to his website and Outcast Press as well and uh, follow him on social media and sign up for his newsletters. That that way you can uh, hear all about
0: the recalcitrant stuff of life and uh, what's next for Sean. Yeah, that's right. No, I should say, yeah, obviously the book is available on Amazon. I think that's probably the best way to get it.
1: Fantastic, yeah, yeah. It's available right now, everyone, and it's got some uh, some great reviews, lots of good feedback on here, and uh, people are loving it. So, and I think uh, I'm I'm anxious to hear this first chapter, or, or I don't I don't know which chapter we're hearing. I'm anxious yeah, to we'll hear start, this yeah, chapter. Be, it,
0: we'll we'll start at the beginning. We'll do chapter one. <laughs> All
1: right. Well, I'm anxious to hear from this today, and uh, we'll go from there. But. Thank you so much, Sean, for being a part of the show and uh, part of this uh, this this legacy I'm building on here. in episode 200, it's I couldn't think of a better way to uh, to kick off the next
0: 200. Awesome. Well, thanks very much. And hey, I should warn uh, your listeners: there is some some salty language and some uh, mature subject themes in this in this book, but uh, certainly in the first chapter. So if you've got little ones in the car, maybe uh, maybe press pause till. <laughs> until we're out
1: of time. <laughs> All right, so I'm I'm going to be clicking that explicit tag for this one. Yes. Today. <laughs> All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, time for me to step aside with some writer's block coffee and uh, enjoy this sample chapter from our guest, Sean McCallum, and the recalcitrant
0: stuff of life. All right, the recalcitrant stuff of life, Chapter One, Monday, Iquitos, Peru. How the fuck did I get here? The question hangs in the air long enough to solicit agonizing contemplation. I sit alone in the back of a black market gentleman's club the local degenerates will point you to if you spend any length of time in town, but the place is about as covert as a seventh grade erection, and the closest thing to a gentleman is the guy who scrubs the urinals in the awful, unspeakable morning. It's the place you come if you don't have the stomach for self-mutilation, but want a spiritual equivalent. Everyone knows this is nowhere. And if this joint had a name, that's what it'd be. I know it's an unhealthy exercise, but I've recently become obsessed with stringing together the sequence of decisions and events that brought me to this or that exact place in time, the present moment of reckoning, always a damning indictment of my existence. For example, staring through the smoky haze to a makeshift stage where a girl with a scar on her stomach and a glazed look in her eyes dances her skin the color of the river as she sways, awkward and serpentine. And I know it's just solipsism playing tricks, but it feels like she's dancing just for me. And then it's down the rabbit hole we go, with the recurring thought that it isn't only the obvious watershed decisions that shape the course of a life. Which college should I attend? Maybe I should quit my job and bum around Europe for a while. What always gets me is the procession of seemingly insignificant decisions, the decisions that don't feel like decisions at all. I take a long swig of beer, piss warm in the jungle night. Those are the moments that really take us down the path. The magazine you flip through in the dentist's office, the parking spot you pass up at the supermarket, the headlines you read at the newsstand before grabbing a Sunday morning coffee. It's a mind fuck of the highest order to retrace that line and weigh the infinite spiderweb junctions where your life could have landed you. Selling beads on a beach in the South Pacific just as easily as it could have left you with a gun in your mouth. At the present time, either would be preferable. The night is sticky and soul-crushing, always, but especially in the miserable hours before the heartbreak of day. When the song ends, the tiny room defaults to a vacuous silence that pushes the boundaries of discomfort. The air is thick with smoke and the musk of sweaty men. A drunk in the corner, El Boracho momentarily lifts his head mumbling incoherently i look around for the guy who gets the drinks but he's less than a shadow nowhere to be found the tv atop the bar flashes muted images of bugs bunny captioned in spanish the girl is alone on stage motionless as she looks down at an indeterminate spot on the floor i reach for the mapacho cigar tucked behind my ear allowing it to dangle on my lips a moment i flick my zippo lighter and inhale deeply The bristling crackle of still damp tobacco, the only sound in the room. Unable to withstand the quiet any longer, I tap the neck of my bottle with a lighter, the closest I can bring myself to applause. Mistaking this for an invitation, the girl slowly makes her way to my empty table, pulls up a chair, and sits in naked silence. It's like I'm watching somebody else as I offer her a drag of my cigar. She accepts without a word. I pour half my beer into a dirty glass and slide it across the table. Como te llamas? she smiles. Aphrodite. Aphrodite. That's a hell of a name. I'm Rosie. A handshake with a naked stripper and a den of depravity seems somehow unnecessarily formal, so I tap her glass with my sweaty bottle. She says something I don't fully understand, but none of it matters. I nod and say see a whole bunch, the exchange somehow a blueprint for my existence. The conversation goes like a sewing machine from there. With neither of us speaking more than a few token phrases of the other's tongue. The endless misinterpretations fueled by alcohol and wishful thinking allow each culture's expectations of small talk to vanish into the ether. A ceiling fan spins inconsequentially overhead. Non sequiturs be damned. She leans in close to put a hand on my thigh. For a moment, we stare into each other's eyes. It's no secret that I've given myself a substantial length of rope during this stretch of self-immolation, but that rope seems to have reached its frayed terminus and bursting to life in its void is the first self-imposed edict I've encountered in this country. I do not go home with Peruvian strippers, no matter how inebriated the two of us are. I can only shake my head, wishing to hell my conscience would ram its head in the muck again. I stand to kiss the girl on the forehead, promising to see her around. I throw some money on the table, not giving a single fuck whether she actually hands it to the barman. On the way out, I wake the drunk in the corner, lightly shaking him and helping him to his feet the old man is confused but eventually realizes the hour we drag ourselves out of the back room whispering the password to no one as we laugh and climb through a quasi secret door weaving through the fake tiendas shelves of dry goods as tiny beams of light shoot through the storefront's rusted door suspending the sparkling dust i hoist open the heavy roll up with a groan and the two of us one local looking for a way home and the other far from home and lost in every sense of the word step into the warm, haunting mist of early morning Iquitos. The story of modern-day Iquitos begins and ends with its location, deep in the heart of the Peruvian Amazon. This geographic fact attracts a disproportionate number of intrepid backpackers, fugitives, and deadbeat dads ducking their obligations. The remoteness also makes it a monumental pain in the ass to procure virtually anything from the outside world. Lost your passport? Best of luck to you. Want a decent shot of whiskey? Let me introduce you to my friend, Jim Beam. How about a ride in an honest-to-goodness automobile? It may sound absurd to imagine an entire city, businessmen, clergymen, and felons alike, tearing around on jerry-rigged choppers. But like all things, the frenetic frontier chaos dissolves into the schizophrenic canvas of everyday life. The unbearable midday heat, the waking cold sweat confusion, you get used to anything. Even the hostel's cast iron gates, that once felt like so much incarceration, now somehow signify home. The sun is already burning off the daybreak haze when I ease myself onto the hideout's front porch. The tables and chairs are made from the cross sections of giant rainforest trees. Their surfaces decorated with the backpacker calligraphy of cigarette scars and stick letter scrawl. At times like these, drunk and high and more than a little sleep deprived, I find myself transfixed by the patterns in the wood, staring into the lines created by the unbearable crush of time and the unknowable things of the earth. I'm not sure how long I've been watching the motorcycles thunder past. When one of the shady locals pokes his head through the gate, hawking jungle tours in broken English through broken teeth. I tell him no amigo, but my tombstone eyes are an invitation. He offers me a medley of chemical drugs that would cause the most hardened adventurer to reconsider his place in the world. I would give my kidney for a bottle of water but it isn't on the menu today. So I smile and shake my head, my bit part in this degenerate's hustle somehow bestowing a sense of bastardized belonging on the miscreant streets of Iquitos. As if on cue, the hideout's proprietor emerges from the kitchen with a cup of steaming instant coffee. He's sporting a stained undershirt and an old pair of gym shorts. Noting my condition, he laughs not so under his breath. Rough night ashore, kid? I exhale audibly, nodding. Tommy had come to Iquitos from Alaska, his formative years spent working around the world on a variety of cargo ships. His repertoire is replete with tales of being held for ransom by pirates off the west coast of Africa, spending weeks with a harem in Morocco, and eating ant soup on the streets of Bali. Nobody knows what to believe when it comes to Tommy's exploits, but like every other expat holed up in the Amazon, there's no shortage of rumors speculating on the legal ramifications of him ever returning to his native country. I remember the days, kid. Those were the fucking days. Tommy lights a cigarette, leaving us sitting in a welcome silence interrupted only by the intermittent roar of the moto-taxi's sonic artillery. Tommy catches me eyeing the hostile walls with disdain. They're adorned with an array of anaconda skins, alligator jaws, and taxidermic capybaras poached from the jungle. I sense he's about to broach some subject or another, but I'm too tired to dance. I look him square in the eye daring him to ask so i was going through the books the other day you know how long you've been here i do indeed down to the hour but i plead the fifth tommy shakes his head and sips his coffee before coming in with the big reveal just under nine months he whistles through his teeth and laughs if you need more money tommy nah kid it ain't the money you're squared away till the end of the month it's just we're both waiting for the other to blink you know what fuck it it's none of my business. I nod and shift my gaze to the street, thankful for the conversation's conclusion. Amid the silence, Tommy's pet parrot, Lucky, comes waddling onto the front porch. He stands between Tommy and I for a long time, his head moving back and forth between us, as if deciding who to grace with his presence. He eventually jumps onto my table, standing there proudly for the next 10 minutes, screeching, "puta" at every passerby. It's the closest I've come to laughing in days. Tommy finishes his coffee and crushes out his cigarette on my table. He picks up his parrot by its clipped wings. And for a moment, the three of us are incredibly still. I feel the man looking at me hard, knowing he's incapable of letting it go. It's a tough one, kid. No doubt someone done fucked you up real good. A girl, I bet. My eyes are hopelessly fixed on the street. Yeah, Tom, something like that. Most of my days end this way. The alcohol and the sleep deprivation and the galloping thoughts are a dervish's whirl of transcendent exhaustion until I crawl back to my room. A tiny windowless ground floor hovel that feels more subterranean than any basement I've ever known. The walls of exposed concrete are barren and cold to the touch. A 100-watt bulb dangles overhead, illuminating the cinder blocks and two-by-fours constituting a bookshelf. The stained mattress lies on the floor, covered by a single unlaundered sheet. The emptiness feels like an implication. I strip to my boxers, then turn off the light. My head hits the pillow like a Justin Rutledge hook. A sliver of harsh daylight pushes beneath the door. As my eyes adjust to the darkness, I go through the ritual of counting the cracks in the ceiling. There's a song running through my head, and I can hear it as if the needles grinding the vinyl in real time. It's times like these when I feel like a little kid alone in the dark, quietly singing the lyrics. A lullaby and a prayer and a plea all wrapped into one, my voice soft and breaking as I close my eyes and disappear through the smoke rings of my mind.
1: All right, that was Sean McCallum reading a sample chapter from his debut novel, The Recalcitrant Stuff of Life. The book is available right now. It comes from Outcast Press. Click the links in the show notes for the book and uh, for where to follow Sean as well as outcast press. Don't forget to also click that link in the show notes for our podcast friends and sponsors and affiliates. Uh, get some coffee, get yourself a Scrivener download and hit that subscribe button. So you don't miss out next week when I'm back with episode 201 <laughs> until then, you all take care and uh, I'll talk to you real soon.